Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. We're continuing our series with the present-centered people, and at the core of who we are, that's what we feel like our core value is, is that more than anything, we want his presence to be in the room. If somebody's teaching, I want the presence to be in the room. If we're playing worship, I want his presence to be in the room. When I'm at Walmart pushing a buggy, I want his presence to be on me as I'm walking through Walmart. When I'm driving in my car and I'm getting my worship on, I want the presence to be in the room. Everywhere we go, we've got to be a people centered on his presence. But to be a presence-centered people is to be a Jesus-centered people. Because what's the presence if Jesus isn't there? And I think what we've done is we've kind of, in these presence cultures, we've kind of boiled down this reality of like this feeling. And how many of you know, the presence of God is tangible and it feels awesome when it comes in. But even when you don't feel that, that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't present. Because when you want to see what you're made of, it's without the felt presence of God will you still be obedient in the thing that he's called you to. Right? And so you have to make up your mind. Are you going to be a Jesus person? Or are you going to be something else? And like, he is the issue. He is the defining factor. And we have to get past all the peripheral things that can distract us that are sometimes good things. How many of you know we can miss the ultimate thing because we're caught up in a good thing? We can be pursuing things that are good, but not be pursuing God. It's the truth. And so I think there's these pivotal crossroads in our life where God is going to strip us bare, where we have to make a decision in our life. Are we going to go after God? Are we going to go after the good things that God can give us? It is the issue of our hour of are we gonna pursue the king or are we gonna pursue what the king could potentially do for us? Because there is a difference. There is a difference. And I love what the Lord does throughout the New Testament is he's always revealing motives. And he uses all kinds of people to do it. Like there's this crazy story in, in First Kings and First Kings starts out with Solomon praying, like he's got to follow David. How many of you'd like to follow King David as as ruler? Would that be would that be that would be a hard thing to do, right? Like I got to fill David's shoes here. And so Solomon is struck with the magnitude of what he's inherited from his father. But he cries out to God and he asks for wisdom because he says, "God, who could lead such a great people?" Who could lead such an awesome thing like this? God, grant me wisdom. And God says, oh my goodness, because you asked for wisdom, I'm gonna give you wealth and riches and status and influence. I'm gonna give you all these things because you asked for the right thing. How many of you wanna know, if you wanna get what God's got, you better learn to ask for the right thing. Yeah, and so, so Solomon gets it. And it's so funny because he's like, how can I lead such a great people? The very next chapter, two women are fighting over a baby. It's like so much for the great people. <laughs> it's like, 
But Solomon makes this estimation because he understands this principle. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, since we can't figure out whose baby it is, here's what we're going to do. He says the unthinkable. He says, cut it in half, give each half. The real mom steps up and goes, no, 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 she can have it. Because she wanted to honor the principle of life over the principle of getting what she wanted and even what was rightfully hers. Does that make sense? That she was willing to forego what she wanted to honor an overarching principle that was more important than what she could get. That she would rather see her child live in the arms of another than she had live with just half of the promise that God had for her life. And this is where God is putting us to. He's like putting us in this position to say, do you want me or are you here on the basis of what I could potentially do for you? See that the Lord would boil everything down to this motive of why are we seeking? Because you know what I found? I found that I can make idols out of good things. And here's the problem with idols. You know what the problem with idols are? You have to, you have to make the idol. It takes your energy to make an idol. And guess what? When you go somewhere, when you want to go somewhere with the idol, guess what you got to do? You got to carry the idol. It's like, why are we serving the thing that takes all our energy that we've got to carry? It's like idols have to be carried, but our God carries. And one of the ways you know that you're walking with the Lord is, are you being carried by the wind of the Holy Spirit and by his grace, or are you carrying things and your whole walk with God is being tired and wore out and you can't even seem to muster up a praise to give him? And so the Lord would reveal idols in our life to get us focused on the treasure that is him. We say, man, that makes God sound selfish. Well, if God could give you something better than himself, he would. The problem is God is the preeminent treasure of the universe. He is the center of it all. So he's got to cut away all these things and reveal all these motives and show us these things in our heart that's scary. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was in there. Have you ever just had a moment and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Said something crazy, talked crazy to somebody. It's like, man, I didn't realize that was there. The Lord will bring all that to the surface so that you've got to deal with it so that you can move that away and have more of him. That he is the treasure, that he is the center of it all. He is what it's all about. And so I'm in this kind of stretching process in my life and the Lord's coming to me with tiny whispers of challenges to my soul. And you know what the Lord did? Probably about a year ago, he came up into the room when I was in prayer. I mean, you know, God, Jesus is sneaky. <laughs> Jesus will sneak. You'll be praying, and then he'll actually show up and then tell you something and go, hey, what was that all about? I'm trying to pray here, Jesus. What are you doing? And we start with these highfalutin prayers, and then he just gets down to the heart of it. And he just whispered in my heart, presence or preaching? I said, oh, God, you know I love to preach, man. <laughs> and I hesitated. And even though my heart didn't want to say what I knew was right, I said it anyway. 
And I said, presence. Even though I'm gonna be honest because you see my heart, God, I really love preaching. (laughs) And he goes, okay. And then he just, it's gone. And I was like, Lord, please ask me again. But next time you ask me, I'm not gonna hesitate. Next time I'm not gonna hesitate. So about three months later, guess what Jehovah Sneaky did? (laughs) Caught me off guard. I'm like trying to walk out the door of my house. I'm not even in prayer. Presence or preaching? Presence. Presence. I'll take presence. A little bit later comes by and I'm thinking, man, I got all the idols out. I don't care about preaching. I just want his presence. Woo, I passed the test. You ever passed the test with the Lord and you just kind of, you know, really started feeling yourself? Some of you ain't ever passed the test with the Lord, I can tell. <laughs> man, all right, we're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. We're going to get, everybody's like, no, I ain't ever passed it. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to get you there. Don't worry. We will get there together because no Christian left behind. That's my policy I'm running on this year. Okay. So he pops back in on me, Jehovah Sneaky. And he says, and this is when the time, man, we were setting up chairs in the fire exits because we were just doing one service. The place was packed out. People were mad because they couldn't find a seat and left the church. And it's like, what we were happy about, other people were sad about. It's like, okay, I can't please everybody, huh? Um, And the Lord, and I started, you ever just start feeling yourself? Even though you know it's not yourself, you know it's the Lord, you're just like, hmm, you know what? We're not doing a bad job around here. Hmm. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good around here. (laughs) Wow, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Jehovah Sneaky slips down. Presence or people? God, you know I don't want an empty room. That will hurt my ego. <laughs> I'll just be real with y'all. <laughs> Too bad I'm going to. All right, and uh, and I hesitated, but I knew the right answer. And I said, "God, I love the full room, but what's a full room without the presence?" <laughs> I said, okay. And I said, okay, Lord, come back and ask me again, but this time I'm not going to hesitate. So guess what? About a month later, he slips in on me again. Weird places, man. Presence or people? Presence. (laughs) Presence. Presence. And I feel like he's got one more question he's going to ask me in this journey of being a pastor or leader or whatever you want to call it. And I'm anticipating that next question that will reveal an insecurity or will reveal something in my heart where I'm going to have to choose Jesus or something good that looks like Jesus. Because I think the Lord wants to just destroy the metrics (laughs) that we measure. You know how church success is measured? 
Buildings, budgets, <laughs> and people. <laughs> and if that's the metric, then Walmart is kicking our tails. Can I just... <laughs> I feel like the Lord is like trying to say, let's just throw out the strategies and the metrics of everything that we think makes up something successful. And let's look at Jesus and then... Our success will be of not how much Jesus do we have, but how much Jesus does he have of us. That we wouldn't use the Holy Spirit to come in and our gifts to make a more exciting service, but that those gifts and the presence of God would be the nuts and bolts reality that we use to go out into the world and to turn the world around for Jesus Christ. That it wouldn't be how many come in the building, it would be how many are sent out of this building and go to the darkest corners of their sphere of influence and light it up for Jesus. That maybe that would be the better metric of success. So the Lord is just, um, you know, he's stretching me. And he'll stretch you. Because ain't nobody here arrived. The moment you think you arrived, oh man, you are, you, you're, you're, you're going to fall, buddy. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. It's like the Lord is showing us. Like the first thing God gives us as a gift, you know what it is? eternal life. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to give you forever to figure this thing out. But will you step into that reality and set your face like a flint and keep finding more and more and more and more and more and more, and more of me? Because this life is a testing ground for the life to come. It just is. It's like the Lord would give us this little bit to see how we're going to use the big endless amount of time that he wants to give us in eternity. And so the Lord is, uh, he's weighing us, he's measuring us, he's testing us. But here's the good thing about a teacher. A good teacher always helps the students pass the test. It's like, I used to hear that story uh, or hear that scripture, be holy as I'm holy, right? And so then the dresses got long and the buns got big and, and the sleeves got long and you had to hide all your tattoos and couldn't, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, sorry. I don't even know what's happening right now. Um, we're just flowing. We're just flowing with the ghost right now. Um, but do you know what God's saying there? He's really saying, because I'm holy, I'm going to make you holy. <laughs> Because I'm so holy, if you get in my presence, you're not going to be able to help but to be holy the way I'm holy. And it's like the Lord is kind of testing us. And so how valuable is Jesus to you? How valuable is Jesus to you? And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 17, verse 11. What a, what a crazy scripture uh, text this is. Um, it's just full of surprises. Um, but man, it sure does reveal a heart that's after God and a heart that wants to experience his presence. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. And they stood 
at a distance. Now, Jesus is on his last journey to Jerusalem at this point in the Gospel of Luke. He's headed to Jerusalem to, we know, to be crucified and to later be resurrected from the dead. So he's basically, he's on his way to die. Now, what makes this text a little bit peculiar is, is that if you were going to Jerusalem, you were just going south. And how many of you know the quickest distance between two points is a straight line, right? Like that's the shortest distance is a straight line. Well, for Jesus to be along this kind of, um, uh, this kind of border that he's on between Samaria and Galilee actually means that he was going east to west, that he's actually moving laterally. So it's kind of crazy. It's like Jesus knew where he was headed and he was headed to Jerusalem, but he went out of his way to make a stop to some people uh, where they could be touched by him. How many of you know that Jesus will go out of his way to touch some folks? Like, like he was headed to Jerusalem, but he couldn't get to Jerusalem until he had to start working his way west to run into this village where that these lepers might have a chance to encounter him. And so this is really what is going on here. Notice that the text says, as he was entering the village, 10 men with leprosy met him, but they stood at a distance. This would have been requiring uh, of them because of the Levitical law that if you had leprosy, you were considered unclean and you were out of the camp. Um, now, leprosy was... Um, was a disease. It, it was. It actually meant a lot of different things. It could just mean like a rash that was getting kind of funky. You ever had one of them? Um, it could have been like a boil or a lead. It covered a a laundry list of different things. Um, it could even mean what we call leprosy nowadays, which is actually Hansen's disease, to where um, you know it's terrible, like parts of your body rot and fall off, kind of a thing. And what's strange about the Hansen's disease is it's like this. Um, it's, it's kind of affects the nerves. And so what happens is you can't feel anymore. <laughs> and so what happens is when you can't feel, you bump yourself, but you, the pain is actually an indicator that you're still alive and you're feeling. Some of us don't like the pain we're feeling, but you need to embrace it because it's letting you know something's wrong and you're still alive. When you quit feeling something, that's when you really need to get afraid. And so when you bump something, you don't feel it. And so you've got a wound there. And because you don't feel it, you bump it again. And then you don't feel it, you bump it again. And before you know it, in this time where they didn't have peroxide and neosporin and other elements of things like that, they had to put them outside of the camp and say, hey, let's see if that thing clears up. And if it don't clear up, you can't assimilate back into society. So think about these men that are hanging out together. They've been, they've had to leave their homes. They've had to leave their children. The men were the breadwinners in those days. And so think about it. They've been uh, ostracized to the corners of some kind of property or some kind of leper colony to where they cannot assimilate back into society until they get clean. So you think about this. I mean, this is tough, right? How many of you have been put away for a while? Any honest folks? Okay, Teen Challenge, they'll be honest with me. Um, you've been put away for a while. You've been kind of you know, and so the first thing you want to do is you want to get yourself back into the place that you've had to leave. Like your whole goal is to get back. Their whole goal was like, I got to embrace my family again. I got to go be productive in society again. 
I gotta go and serve. I, I gotta get clean. I've gotta get well. And so it's amazing that these people were together in this Samaritan Galilee region that they had reached into such a bad place that the Samaritans were palling around with the Jews because they were so messed up, they were just glad to have somebody. <laughs> have you ever looked around? And you know, it's funny because misery loves company. And if you've ever looked around and said, man, all these people around me are crazy. then there's a good chance. <laughs> you crazy too! <laughs> you attract what you are, man. <laughs> I got scared the other day. I thought about, oh my gosh, who am I? Look at my friends, but um, Jesus. But so here was these people. And isn't it funny how you lose all your boundaries when you get sick enough? I'm going to tell you something. Them 10 leopards wasn't sitting around arguing about the Bible. <laughs> oh, they wasn't studying and, and, and correcting each other on their eschatology. <laughs> There's no room for religion when you're sick. They weren't saying pre-meal, post-meal, mid-trib, a-meal. That was out the window. They was like, oh, you messed up? Oh, I messed up too. Maybe somebody can touch us if we can just get to the right man. And here was the thing is, they didn't know that Jesus was already on his way. Headed to Jerusalem, but said, no, I've got to make a left turn here because I got a village of men that I got to meet with so that they can get a touch from the Lord. It's amazing. And so here are these lepers that have been quarantined from society and they have to go through all these ritualistic things and, and so they're just kind of palling around. Because here's the problem. Only the priest could let you back into society. You had to go show yourself and then they had to deem that you were okay enough and if you were okay, then you could go right back into society. So they would check them out and look at, okay, you can go, you can't go. Okay, you're, you've graduated to this process of ritual bathing and different things. And, and it was all built upon so that disease wouldn't spread in the community. It wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't like if you got leprosy, you were evil. That the idea of Jesus and God's presence dwelling in the camp amidst the Jewish people was a picture of Eden. So the picture of that which was impure going outside was not a picture of that which was bad. It was a picture to say, we've got to preserve this Edenic ideal where there's no sickness, where there's no death, where there's none of these things that like that, like everything's got to be outside. So it was an issue of purification. It wasn't an issue of sin. But the reality is, is that what had begun to happen is that the first century mindset began to believe if you were blessed, then you must have a relationship with God. If you weren't, if you didn't have anything, then you must not have a relationship with God. And how many of you know God doesn't care about your checkbook? He wants to know what's in your heart. Like, like that's really what it comes down to. Like, like it's about what 
is actually in your heart. So Jesus comes back and corrects this. And he's always correcting the bad theology of the day. And you know how he does it? He tells stories. A simple story. He's like a grandpa that gets in a rocking chair and he says, let me tell you about, <laughs> let me tell you about the good old. <laughs> and so he, he's, he's, so he's in there and he, he tells them this story about a leper. Tells them a story that there's a rich man, but then there's a leper. And the rich man, he's eating the rich man's scraps. And the leper's in such a bad state that the dogs are licking his sores. Now, dogs aren't like dogs are now. Like now, people's dogs are like their children. Okay, let's just, let's just face it. Like, I, th I think I saw a dog car seat the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, they've just strapped a dog in a car seat. Uh, cool. Um, so, strange world. And uh, it's wild. But... Um, Y'all stop, I gotta stay focused here. <laughs> dogs in Jewish times were wild dogs because the Jews didn't, they weren't like the Gentiles, they didn't take dogs in, that was unclean. And so here's this dog licking this guy's sores named Lazarus, and then here's this rich man. And so the people are automatically thinking, okay, rich guy knows God and has a relationship with him, is blessed by God. Poor guy here getting licked by dogs, he's out of there. And then Jesus flips the script on him. And he says, oh yeah, Lazarus died and he was scooped up by angels and carried to Abraham's bosom. Oh my gosh. A good translation was he was set in Abraham's lap. Oh my God. And the rich man didn't make it in. Now God isn't trying to make the point that if you're rich, you, ain't, you can't love the Lord, okay? Can we just get over that poverty mindset that has entered the church? Let's just be done with that. What he's trying to say is, sometimes who you think's in ain't in, and sometimes who you think's out is actually the one that's getting in. He's trying to undo their sensibilities to say, just because you're walking blessed doesn't mean you're walking with me. Yeah. Man, there's some sordid folk out there that are the richest people in the world <laughs> doesn't equate to godliness doesn't equate to presence with Jesus but it doesn't not equate to having a relationship with Jesus either because we could be prejudiced on the other end and go well this person's got money we're mad at them it's like, no, dude, you need them. <laughs> you need them folk, okay? Can I get an amen? Like, you need them folk in your life. They will help you. They got it together. Reach out. Get some advice. Okay. Off soapbox. But this is the reality. So these lepers walk in and they stand at a distance. And you know what they say? Here's what they say. Let's just look at it. Verse 13. They raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice the, the thing there. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now watch this. And as they went along, they were cleansed. 
So look, get this picture here. This ragtag group of people probably got limbs falling off. Um, y'all seen these zombie movies? Like, Jesus, have mercy on <laughs> You know, and he's like, oh God, yeah, stay there. I'll, yeah, go tell the priest, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't go over. And so, and so he's like, Jesus, master. And how did they know? Uh, maybe Jesus' fame spread. Well, I mean, we don't know, but they, they just, Jesus, Lord, please have mercy on us. And Jesus is just like, go and tell the priest. And you know what I found is that when you obey the instruction of the Lord, on your way following his instruction, you begin to get healed. Go and show yourself to the priest. And then they had to move and do it, right? Because they weren't in a position to show themselves to the priest. They were unclean. But when Jesus said go, they went, and the Bible tells us that as they went, they're being made clean. Think about this. Get the visual with me. With every step, the skin is coming back to normal. The rash is clearing up. The limb is coming back on. I don't know if that was, was that extreme, but I mean, they're getting healed as they go. And isn't it funny, like with every step, they're being made whole. But how many of you know that sometimes when God gives us what we want, we get spiritual amnesia and we forget about the one who gave it to us? And so like, here they go and they're so excited to show themselves to the priest. And look at this, they're actually obeying Jesus' command. Like they're obeying Jesus' command. They're not disobeying. <laughs> they're, they're doing the right thing. <laughs> they're going to the priest like he said. And so can you imagine, I, I'm sure it probably stopped, started with a step because this is how our walk goes, isn't it? It's like we take a step and we're like, ooh, that was scary. Ah, okay, we made it. Oh, I'm a little better than I was. And it gives us the impetus to like take another step, right? It's like, oh, hey, I'm a little more whole. And then we take another step. And then as you keep making steps, suddenly when you get healthy enough, it breaks out into a dead run. I mean, you're just like running. And so can you imagine these guys with every step, there's a little more confidence to go back to the high priest to show themselves as clean men again, that they were able to move into this place. And so they're now running. But watch what happens in the middle of this awesome miracle. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back. Praising God with a loud voice. He fell with his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And there's a parenthetical here by the author. Now he was a Samaritan. So now people's really getting shocked as they're reading. Whoa, Samaritan, they're messed up, man. Well, how's, how's this guy getting it? So imagine this. With every step you're getting healed... 
until you're fully healed, gonna show yourself to the priest, gonna be able to assimilate back into society, gonna be able to go back to your family, gonna go be able to go back to, to fit in whatever category that would have given them any identity at that point. And they're running a dead sprint and this guy stops, realizes he's healed and turns back. Now granted, get this, they were being healed with every step in the direction towards the priest. He risks undoing the process to disobey Jesus to actually experience the king himself. <laughs> Ooh. See, we got a lot of people running for their healing. We got a lot of people running to get over their alcohol and drug addictions. We got a lot of people running to try to get their marriage back together, their family. We got a lot of people running to get what God can give. But how many do you know that turn back and say, I'm not worried about the healing. I'm not worried about what I can get. Let me fall at the face of the king and drop my face to his feet and experience the presence of God in my life. God, if I don't get the healing and I get you, I win. He risked it all, man. He stops and says, whoa, time out. I got healed. Remember the call earlier? Jesus, Lord. But what they were revealing is that he really wasn't their Lord. They just wanted to get back into society and be some kind of normal. And God's tired of some kind of normal. I'm just going to tell you. So they stop. The Samaritan says, I'm leaving the crowd and I'm going to experience a moment with the king. I'm leaving this assimilation back into something normal where I can be respected again. And I'm turning around and I'm gonna go fall at the feet of the one who made me whole. And he fell at his feet and thanked him. Verse 17, then Jesus said, we're not 10 cleansed? I don't know about you, but I've been a little bit upset about that. It's like the crowd goes, I leave them, I get the revelation, and I go fall at Jesus' feet. And he's like, hey, wasn't there 10 of you guys? It's like, come on, man. I give you my tithe, one out of 10. Come on. See, here's the thing is, one out of 10 don't just belong to Jesus. 10 out of 10 belongs to Jesus. And we whittle down these little metrics that are so whatever to make us feel better because we don't look as bad as the person next to us. And it puts us off from leaving the crowd and turning back and falling at Jesus' feet and having an actual true encounter with him. Jesus says, where are there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to the man, 
get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well there. That's the Greek word sozo, which means delivered, saved. See, some people's faith got them healed, but his faith got him delivered. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some people's faith got them healed, but didn't get them saved. See, some people just want to assimilate back into society or work on their rough edges or, you know, be a better contributor. God's like, man, don't miss the forest for the trees. Don't make an idol out of your healing because I am the center of it all. I am the one in whom you serve. I am the one that loves you. I'm the one that wants to carry you. I'm the one that wants to touch you. And it really takes all the pressure off. So get this, what was the command? Go to the priest and show yourself to him. Do you know what he realized on the way? Wait a second. That's the high priest right there. I'm gonna go show myself to him. Hey, I'm clean. See, Jesus didn't specify where to go. See, they were still caught up in the old system, trying to run to it. And the other one got the revelation of, oh, God's doing a new thing. (laughs) That that's the high priest, not that guy with the... (laughs) That guy with the gear on. It's this guy in the streets. (laughs) meeting with lepers. It's like a new dynamic was going on where they stood at a distance looking at Jesus because they were still caught up in an old system. And some of you got just enough religion to get you at a distance, but you ain't ever laid on your face at the feet of the king and given your life to him. You've got just enough to get close enough to say, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Okay, I'm out. (laughs) Altar call, where's the doors? (laughs) Can I be your pastor? Bunch of babes down here at the altars. Some of you got 20, 30, 40 years of living for Jesus and you can't put hands on nobody? You got to get out of here? I think that's why God said presence or people. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring it out now. <laughs> that's, that's why he said that. <laughs> okay, makes sense now, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Glad I answered, right? This is the reality. Don't get caught up in the old system saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Just go fall on his face. Just go fall on him. Fall your life on him. Place your heart on him. Some wanted to assimilate in everyday life and be healed And some even wanted to assimilate into the kingdom, but one wanted to assimilate into the king. (laughs) Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. (sighs) 
that a leper going back possibly meant he could be unhealed as he went back. But he didn't get unhealed. He became sozo, delivered. <laughs> delivered. Like That's what God wants to do, man. He doesn't just want to wash away your sins and then never talk to you again. <laughs> he wants your heart. He wants you. He wants you to experience him. And Satan will distract you with your issues. He'll get you to isolate like those lepers, and guess what you'll do? You'll go isolate with other people that look just like that and call yourself helping each other. And you just got a league of lepers walking around and you're spreading it everywhere. You got to get out of your little pact and go get a hold of Jesus, man. You got to get a hold of Jesus. Get a hold of him. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 through 8, Paul just kind of, New Testament, just wraps this whole beautiful reality up. And he's facing these people that are coming and they're bragging on their lineage, they're bragging on their birth order, they're bragging on what tribe they belong to. They're, they're trying to find all these credentials to get status in the church. And look what Paul does. He just, just slashes it all to pieces. Philippians 3 verse 3, for we, for we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. Exult in Christ Jesus and do not rely on human credentials. Verse four, though mine too are significant. If someone thinks he has good reasons to put confidence in human credentials, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I lived according to the law as a Pharisee. In my zeal for God, I persecuted the church. According to the righteousness stipulated in the law, I was blameless. But these assets I have come to regard as liabilities because of Christ. More than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Indeed, I regard them as dung, that I may gain Christ. That everything the world is shooting for, Paul in the Greek, scubula, which was actually, in that time, an expletive. This would have shocked the readers because the good little church boy Paul here wanted to make it real clear of anything that gets in the way of Christ what it actually is. That what we're leaning on and trying to find value in if it's not Jesus, dumb. It's dumb. And we have to be prepared to say that with him. Dumb. 
stone. That idol, dung. That hurt that's keeping you from him, dung. That insecurity that keeps you locked up in your seat, dung. That thing that keeps you from raising your hands in worship, dung. That hurt or unforgiveness you're carrying around this grudge from 20, 30, dung. But until you see Jesus as that valuable, you'll never throw that stuff away. You'll never throw it away. So I'm just looking if there's maybe just one out of 10 (laughs) in this place that would turn from some kind of pursuit that is good, but it's not the ultimate pursuit. And they would say, I'm turning back and I'm gonna throw my life on Jesus. I'm gonna lay it down all at his feet and I'm not leaving till he says, go your way. You're made well. Because the healing is always to point us back to Jesus. It's never to brag on the healing in and of itself. That the sign gifts are just that. They're signs. What does a sign do? Can you imagine people worshiping a sign? Oh, hot springs, green sign. It's like, go into the city, man. And some of us are worshiping signs and we haven't looked to what the sign is pointing to. The sign points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. Would you stand to your feet with me? Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.